You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 135 and I'm going to be speaking with Letitia from Holabrief. 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 What do I say, Letitia? (laughs) Holabrief is fine. (laughs) We're going to be talking about briefing. It's right there in the name. Uh, Really big part of web projects, design projects. If you want to get things right the first time, stop rework, etc. Yes. Stop the constant feedback and, you know, scope creep and all that nasty business that we in the industry have to struggle with. Yeah, right. And, well, I mean, that's it. We shouldn't generally we're struggling with it because it's something we, well, sometimes clients mess up, but also a lot of the time we mess up because we didn't ask the right questions up front. In fact, I had the same issue today. I was setting up an Integromat automation for a client. um, And what he had in his head turns out was completely different to every other automation I've ever set up. And I kind of just assumed it was the same deal. Um, And the way he sort of spoke about his -hmm. project was just different the way that sort of registered in my head. And that's on me for not sort of digging into the exact use case. Right. And that's, I mean, is that what you see? But you got to it in the end, didn't you? I mean, you took the pause and you're like, wait, there's some red flags here. Let's step back and let's do it again. Right before you went off and realized four months later, oh, wait, you meant (laughs) another thing. I'm in a special industry here where projects are small. You know, this is like literally an hour and a half work sort of thing that's going to change to two and a half hours work. So it's a, you know, a couple hundred dollar difference in the, in the price. So I have the flexibility to screw things up like that. Well, with the small projects. But yeah. big ones, you know, like if you're doing a website, that's pretty big, right? Well, it can be big. It can be a brochure site. But also if you're doing like a software development project and it's like quoted up front and we're talking like six figures, mm. it's pretty big issue when you when you scope things incorrectly, right? And that can cause a lot of problems. Yeah. Is that what it's you see the role? Free. That's what you see the role of the brief as, yeah? Or is it something else um, to you? I mean, it's interesting. Um Actually, to give you a little bit of a context, we're going through some repositioning on Ola Brief. Okay. And 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 actually, with the brief, we're extending it. Like we considered a briefing process all the way from on taking of client up until you open your project management tool or your first design program, whether it's Photoshop or Illustrator, whatever it is. It's kind of we consider that as the briefing phase, but. We, we do realize that actually some people refer to it as discovery phase or, dis- or the research process. So we consider anything that you need before you start designing, before you start doing strategy to better understand that your client's business, that what, what we consider the briefing phase. Right. So would that also include like meetings and like, because I always think of like a design brief, right? And a design brief okay. to me is is starting to like actually create color palettes and that sort of stuff. It sounds like that's not what you're defining. Well, that's interesting as. that you mentioned design brief because we've been talking to a lot of agencies and during this kind of discovery process of understanding what briefing means to different clients, to different um, potential clients. And apparently there's like three different briefs. Like there's a common understanding. There's There's the client brief. 
Then there's the rebrief, which usually happens after the client has sent over something and then the agency goes, wait, did you mean this? <laughs> that's what I did today. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> exactly. The de- that's called the debrief or the rebrief. And then after that call and have kind of settled and everyone's approved and agreed, okay, this is what we're doing. This is the market. This is what's happening. These are the competitors, blah, blah, blah. Then there's a client brief. Sorry, sorry. The design brief where you actually tell the designer, all right, this is what's happening. This is the problem we need to fix. Run right. with it. That's where you kind of inspire the creative. Yeah, interesting. Because um, we've actually sort of looked at creating content around briefing recently, and I've found, you know, I've done a lot of keyword research and read a lot of mm-hmm. blog posts, and it it seems like it's definitely this broad term that gets used in different ways. So I love that even you you're like, yep, there's three different types of brief here, because you know, for some people, a brief isn't even what a it's almost like the um, output the deliverable of a design or a branding phase right like it's something that not an agency like i've I've seen it used in the term where like a product a brand gives a design brief to somebody to create a new design for a product or something or for you know website exactly and sometimes it can be really good like sometimes like even when i was working as as an agent sorry when i was working agency sometimes you'll get really good um design briefs but that's very few. That's very <laughs> few times the case. Oh yeah, I mean, I think we've all yeah. been there. Like, it's it's pretty common that. I mean, even we're we're in the same boat. I look at like what I send as a quote brief to uh, you know our designers, and I'm like, this is pathetic. I really need to get something <laughs> better done up. You know, I know this stuff, and I still do it wrong. So let's talk about like how agencies can go like specifically about the agency process right because that's mm-hmm. most okay. people listening to this are agencies uh should let, let's go through these types of brief then like how because i people listening to this are probably going to want to the, the end goal is to you know get to the client's goals faster um you know less rework mm-hmm. what can people do better i mean i would definitely say invest in this process because down the line, it would just save you so much headache and, and time and money, even, even just resources. Because we in the, uh, in the industry have this kind of concept of always having three proposals. You know, that's kind of like the thing, the way we work. And our, our kind of belief is that if you involve the client from the first get-go, you have a very comprehensive, call it briefing process, research process, discovery process. Sometimes you call it scoping, sometimes you call it proposing, sometimes you call it kickoff. Like it has different names, but anything that's basically understanding what the client is trying to solve, if you really invest into that, you will not have to do three proposals because doing three (laughs) proposals means a waste of your time, your designer's time, electricity, just everything. (laughs) If, If you really like nail it down and get a start from the beginning, get it right from the beginning, it's just, you're gonna have to do one solution and everyone's gonna be happy because, you know, there were milestones along the way that you agreed that this is the right way to go with your client. And so at the end, there will not be feedback loops or scope creep or whatever. So that's kind of like our, our belief. So why don't people do this right? Is it like a lack of education? Is it, you know, like my, I, I kind of feel like it might be because people don't charge for it. So they rush through it. You know, mm. is it something people should charge for? Like why aren't, I mean, I know I'm asking about seven questions in one here, but like, it's why? Okay. what's wrong with the process that so many people mess it up? I mean, it's, first of all, there's, 
there's various aspects. Um, it's difficult to charge for it because I think one thing that, and I'm sure agencies have a lot of problem with this, is the fact that sometimes people see design as a commodity. Mm. So they will not want to invest in the time or the client might not want to invest in the time of, hey, can you actually explain to me who your product is for? You know, you know, it's it's sometimes difficult to get your client to think like that. Um, also, like me, I guess you and me in, in the design industry, we've just worked this way, you know, and for so many years. And suddenly if you're going to like change the, the structure and methodology, it's like, all right, this is hard, you know. It just means I actually really have to sit down and think and 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 ask the hard questions that sometimes the client will not want to respond. Not because he doesn't know, just because he never thought of his business in that way. You know, because he's there creating his thing, his he's busy, and then suddenly you stop there thinking like, all right, but what problem are you solving? And the client might be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and so it's kind of your job to like, that's okay. Let's figure this out together so we can have, you know, a better result together. And so one aspect is the fact that sometimes clients are find it difficult to kind of even pay for this. Maybe designers or agency might feel difficult to ask to be, you know, to charge for this. Um, and it's just a difficult process. But at the end of the day, you know, it comes with practice. After the third or fourth time, fourth time you do this, it's just, you know, you have to put in your process. You have to create a system. You, you standardize it. And, you know, you're flying. Yeah. And we'll come back to that because I'd like to talk okay. about like what the process should look like. I guess, um, you know, like how long, I know this is such a, you know, long, how long's a piece of string question, but how long would a briefing process typically take? Like, I know that again, really wide question. The reason I'm okay. asking is because there reaches a point, right? If it's too long where mm-hmm it doesn't make sense to not charge for it. Like it's, especially for, you know, we're talking small agencies and freelancers, they can't be spending half a day on some client brief if it's not going to, you know, if they've only, they're one of like five people in this proposal or something and they're, okay. they're not going to make it, like it's going to be, they're wasting a lot of time for no money, right? Okay. Unless it's some huge project. So like, how do you balance this? Like if it's, do you recommend people charge if it goes over a certain length or like, you know, should you keep it short if you're not charging? I mean, charging is a difficult question because what we've seen is everyone's kind of there doing their own thing. Mm. Like just to give you a, a, the extremes of what we've seen, we've seen, we've talked to agencies where they'll flat out refuse to work with a client that will not pay, pay for discovery process. Mm-hmm. That will just not take them on. Mm-hmm. Then we've seen other ones who are maybe starting out um, who might in the beginning do it for free but only as a way to practice for themselves. And then slowly they'll incorporate it into their process. So it's kind of like a two-way extreme thing. I trailed off. Your question was? How no, no, I think you're still, I think, no, like you're on the right track. It's because it's not an exact question. It's it's literally yeah. like, it's, yeah, so this is meant to be a discussion around like charging versus how long it should take. Because mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking that, you know, I mean, one benefit of charging is that it shows a level of seriousness, right? And if there is a deliverable that comes out of this, which, you know, it could be a, I don't know, brand voice. I mean, usually or, it's a um, brand discovery document, which is yeah. a very constant doc- document. When we, we've shown it to clients, they're like, oh, wow, okay, amazing. So maybe you know even like- mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been in this space for a long time and I only just realized the value of this because I've actually never 
engaged anyone for a branding thing before. Like we used to do some sort of basic design and mostly development, right? We were white label, mostly development for designers. Um, now that I've been through a branding process and I was given a branding document, you know, cause I, I do a lot of video editing for our products and I was like, okay. going, and I wanted to create an end screen, you know, under our new brands. And all I did was look at the document and rip out all the bits that I needed. I was like, Oh my God, that was so easy. This is why people like these documents. You know, I was exactly. like, this is the font I use. This is like the tone I'm supposed to use in the wording and like, ah, oh, Totally get These it. are the three key benefits. These are yeah. the three insights that we did, we know, with customer interviews. It's kind of like that thing. Yeah. So if you have that as a deliverable, it's a lot easier to of charge course. for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You always have to be like, all right, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to achieve. This is going to be end result. And mm. then after that, even if you're happy, you're not happy because you don't want to work with us, you still have a very comprehensive document that you can take mm. to another designer. It's kind of like if you talk to the client and you tell them more like, you're going to pay for this, but you're going to get something, they tend to listen. Mm -hmm. Oh, and you touched on something just in passing there that I think is really important. Uh, you said you'll end up with this document that you can take to another designer. I found mm -hmm. that as a really powerful quote in sales cycles because when we used to do custom software development, so we're talking projects that could be 50 to 100 grand, more sometimes, you know, okay. um, we and, and people wanted fixed price quotes, which is like almost impossible for that kind of size project. However, what we would say is like, let's just start with a UX and then design phase, right? So we'll like talk about what you need, um, sort of wireframe some things out and then design them. And that'll cost you five grand. Um, and with that, you can go take that to another developer and you're going to be in such a better spot than if you just went and tried to hire someone off Upwork, which is what a lot of these people tried to do. Or, you know, they've got some friend who knows how to code and that's who they They're get to do They're always a friend. It. Always, always. Or like a nephew or like, you know, dogs, <laughs> no, dogs uncles, do cows. Yeah, anyway. Um, My nephew will charge me only, will only charge me 300 euros. Yeah. You get your nephew to do it. Yeah, go on then and we'll see you in six months. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I just found that quite cool, uh, like an easy way to get buy-in. It's just like you will end up with a deliverable that you can take somewhere else, um, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's that's interesting. Share internally with your team, you know. It's mm. kind of like providing something that's bite-sized that they can kind of digest and be like, all right, okay, mm. I can take this and then let's see how it goes. And this is the way also you're kind of fomenting confidence in the client. You know, you're showing them that you're really interested in what you're doing, but, you know, you're flexible. So it's... I mean, this, this kind of goes back to what I wanted to talk about in the beginning, the fact that we designers or creatives or people in the industry, we tend to blame the client a lot. Mm. We tend to be like, yeah, it was the client's fault. Yeah, poopy client, whatever. But um, <laughs> they don't Oh, it's not always their fault, you know? we do have to take some responsibility and we do have to kind of um, guide them to a certain extent and, you know, kind of uh, put our ego away and be like, all right, let's, let's, you know, let's sit down, let's work this out. Let's let, let me talk to you in your language and then we can work it together, work it, work it out together. But that's kind of like how Olibrief was born. You know, we, we lost a huge client. Um, this was about three years ago before we started Olibrief. It was going to be our like money cat or our cash cow for like an entire year. It was going to be um, a big um, energy company here in Germany. And we're like, yeah, we're going to do the new rebranding. We're going to do a new product. It's going to be amazing. And after six weeks of collaboration, we just had to stop because it was just not going anywhere. And, and, and 
you know, in the beginning, me and Fernando, my co-founder, were like, yeah, the client was stupid. He didn't know what he was doing, everything, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, after some, you know, thinking, you realize, you know what? We did not do a good job at, like, telling them what, what which way we're heading, what we need, who are the stakeholders are. So it was kind of like a 50-50 situation. And that's basically how what our brief was born, the fact that we were so sick and tired of this constant fight with 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 ourselves like it's the client's fault no it's not the client's fault and 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 let's work it out what the problem is you know why didn't this work and that's kind of we realized you know in even the briefing phase there were just misunderstandings so let's kind of try and solve this that's kind of why we started yeah. on this journey yeah well fair enough so like what what's step one then in, in fixing and in, in creating a good process here like we'll, we'll get to all of all of brief you you can mm-hmm. you know I'm not saying don't talk about it here, but it's like <laughs> there will be people listening to this that aren't using it. And, um, yeah. you, know, I, you know, in fact, um, the reason I reached out to you to come on this podcast is because someone in uh, our community, Mr. Oliver, uh, mentioned your product somewhere. And I was like, oh, I did not know about this. Um, mm. So, yeah, we've, we've got people in the community using it already. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, <laughs> I'm sure we'll manage to convince a few more people by the end of this but <laughs> with or without all brief like how can people start fixing this process fixing this process is uh, first of all the mentality you have to you know this is going to this is not going to be easy you know you're not creating a survey here that's going to be like oh, okay i send it to my client and i'm done no this is going to mm-hmm. be some work so first of all you really have to sit down after you've, let's say you've taken on a client, they've agreed to work with you, right? Let's, let's say that you've already got that part done and you decide to, to do a new website for them. Okay. The first thing I would definitely do is get to the hard questions. What do your client wants to do with this new website? Like what's his goal? First, you have to have a common understanding of what your client wants and what you want. Like, for example, I might want to you know, create an awesome website, but after some digging with my client, I realized actually he wants more sales. So a new website is never going to do that for him. So from the get-go, you have a misalignment in goals. So this project is already set up for a disaster. Mm. So once you figure out, all right, so you want more sales. So maybe a website is not a way to go. You know, let's take a step back and find out what is it that you're actually trying to fix with your business. Is there a problem with your product that hasn't have enough brand awareness? Then let's look into social media. Maybe we can do work something there. And that's kind of, you can take these small steps to understanding their business. You can look into their users, you know, just the, the typical stuff. Look at their competitors, you know, ask the hard questions on, on, uh, of your client. Like, what's, what's going on? How can, how, what, how can I help you achieve the, the goal that you want to achieve? And then from there, you can take the next step, which is let's figure out deliverables. You know, if you want to do more sales, then let's, okay, let's do maybe a, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, let's do a social media campaign. But then, you know, you already saved all that money redesigning a website, which was not necessary. You know, let's, the next step would be to do this. So already your client is looking at you and it's like, okay, it's not just the designer. This is a valuable partner that I can work with. And on the next round, you can probably charge more. Yeah, well, if you've already justified your cost, I mean, that, that's one of my favorite. This is almost, a, it's definitely a side note, but um, someone actually posted this in the group the other day, uh, a question that was, um, you know, what's a quick win sort of, you know, sub thousand dollar thing that I can offer to clients. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, the classic thing to me is if someone's got an email list, which, you know, a lot of people don't, and it's hard to get a quick win if they don't have a list of their customers, but often a really quick win for people is like, send out an email with like an offer to their past clients or like people who 
sort of bought, you know, like e-commerce is really easy because it's just like anyone yeah. who's ever bought from them, send them a coupon or something. But, um, you know, you can, you can send out some kind of craft, a cool offer, you know, some actual really not awesome offer, send it to past clients and then bam, you get a bunch of money. I remember the very first time I did that, the first marketing campaign I ever ran for a client ever. When I just started our agency, I think I stole this idea of someone else, John Logar, I think. And um, I think we did like seven and a half grand in sales, like from a email, you know, and you know, and the, so that's pretty then easy to justify the next product. Right. So that, that's kind yeah. of the story I just wanted to say to um, back up your, your point there. And it's like, yeah, if you do something small and, and, you know, prove your worth or even make them some money, then maybe you can get into the website later, especially if their goal is to make sales. Cause I, I reckon that'd be, a lot of people come to get a website from from an agency simply to make more sales and it's not going to do that. Do you manage WordPress sites for your clients? If so, you should probably check out WP Remote. It's a central platform to manage all of your sites in one place. That includes security, malware, uptime monitoring, and it's even got a built-in staging system. But my favorite feature is the visual regression system that will give you an alert if something breaks on an update so you can get in there and fix it. It was created by the same people behind BlogVault and Melcare. Now, BlogVault is one of the best backup plugins I've used, and it's also trusted by some of the biggest WP maintenance agencies out there like GoWP, WP Buffs, WP Valet. So if these guys rely on it, you know it's rock solid. You can try WP Remote for free and get 10% off any of the paid offerings by going to wpremote.com slash highway. Now let's get back to the show. I mean, I guess if you do some digging into it and really find a couple of weak spots and, and, and write to them, hey, I found something as simple as like, hey, this button should be more active so that your customers can upgrade quickly, quicker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Something as simple as that. Like that's already a client might be like, oh, look at that. Hey, look at the, how the website works. What's going on? All right, let's talk to you. As long as you don't write me an email saying, I have three ways to fix your email, to fix your website, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> because I get a ton of those, which is like, I have the solution for your business. And it's like, yeah, what are they? <laughs> you haven't even asked any questions yet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cool. So I guess like, like the first, I mean, I'm just trying to sort of piece together. Okay. Someone like the process for someone who wants to fix this so that they, we've got, you know, understand that it's going to take some time for sure. Like what, what's the first thing that they should implement? The first thing they should implement, I mean, you can go the 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 classic way of, of you know, opening a Google, a Google Docs and just, you know, writing down all the questions that are that you think are necessary for that business mm-hmm. and just, you know, sending that over to client and getting the answers. Uh, they can be from um, what's your product? What do you want to solve with your product? You know, who you're selling your product to? Why did you create the business? You know, Mm -hmm. those are the little like nuggets where you can find even insights that you can later like incorporate into creative process. But those are the first questions you should start or like inspirational questions. Like, where do you want to get, where do you want to head? What's your mission? What's your vision? You know, what, what's happening in your business? And once you have like an understanding of where they are, like get into the problem. What what is the problem? Why do you think that the problem is that? It's like the five so, whys thing, right? Like if they exactly. get, give an answer to something, you say why, and then why, and then why, and then you know, eventually exactly. you get to the real reason. Or you can do Simon Sinek's uh, three circle, three golden circles. You know, there's a 
ton of information on the website that you can just, you know, digging into the client's problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's so much stuff out there. We do the three golden circles. Those are super helpful. The three, do the you have, wise. do you ever read yeah. any resources on this? We can link people to, cause obviously this is going to be a bit too much to get into on the podcast, but do you have yeah. any resources? Uh, yeah, I can, I can, yeah. I, I can send that over to you. Yeah. Guys. Awesome. So yeah. we'll work that out after the show And for people yeah. who want to get them. That'll be at agencyhighway.com slash one, three, five. So, um, yeah, that's where those links will be. Uh, but for now, yeah, I, I like that idea. You know, it's like essentially at its core, what you've described is a questionnaire. And I've heard different exactly. ways of people working through that, like either just getting a client to fill it out. Uh, but a lot of people just do this on the phone now, right? Like you can exactly. jump on, the, on a call or an in-person meeting with someone when we're allowed to do that again. I mean, I guess things are kind of opening now, but... Not here. We just went into a, a lockdown as of yesterday. So that's fun. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't complain. We've had like two small lockdowns the entire time. So it's not a big deal. We've, mm. Australia's done pretty well. But um, yeah, I, I really like the idea of getting doing it on a call because then you can at least dig into those questions, which you can't do on like a standard old questionnaire. What I would definitely people? recommend if you if you are doing a phone call, always record it. I mean, ask for permission, hmm. but record it because then you can engage with your client instead of doing notes. This is something I realized when I was doing a lot of interviews with people. It just record, just ask them, can I please record it? Because I want to talk to you and and you know be involved in the conversation, writing down things. And then you listen to it. And you get so much more information out of like how they respond. You know, you're like, oh, he got excited here or he, mm-hmm. he was like, didn't want to respond to this. And those are the things that you can then on paper or Google Sheets or type form, wherever you want to re- kind of really dig into it and be like, OK, but why don't you want to talk to me about, you know, company history? And you find out something in there, you know, it's kind of almost like detective work. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, kind of, you're trying to, you know, get a map out of, you're trying to map out of, of the current situation and where the problems are. And that's kind of when the, the, the nuggets of, in, of insights come up. And once you have that, then comes the, what I call, well, I don't call it, but it's kind of like the, not the assimilation, but the, you take all this information, you might need, you know, a couple of days of kind of rest to get away from it. And then you come back to it and you kind of, um, write it all down into a document and you present it. And that's when you, things really become a lot clearer when you, you know, get that space. And it's just a question of, you know, getting a Google doc, you know, doing some heavy lifting. And then in a couple of days you have a really comprehensive document. Yeah. And it, and it starts with, well, I mean, if I was going to start this from scratch, I would pretty much just try to, well, I'd Google, I do a lot of Googling trying to find Google. the right questions to ask. Sure. Um, you'll probably end up on either Ola Brief's site or our site, I imagine, because <laughs> we both have <laughs> posts about it. Um, just yeah, go just, there. You'll find the answer. Just put that into Google, you know, <laughs> sorry, into a Google Doc and just start. Like, it's it's all about starting. Once you, like, get into it, you're like, okay, I see, I see. The, the, the path will kind of be in front of you. Yeah, and I think it makes sense to maybe do a few for free as you sort of get your bearings and, and work out you know, the process and then you can start charging for it later, you know, and whether that fee ends up being like a a serious dollar figure or, you know, just enough to filter out clients before you like as exactly, you know, like a nominal fee basically to to weed people out before the major project that you, you know, have the real cost on. Mm. So how does Olibrief help with this? Olibrief helps by making this process a lot more, 
smoother, interactive, and fun. I mean, we did all the heavy lifting for you already. We already did all this research that we we're just, you know, talking about. Mm. We already read the books and everything. We created a framework that basically all you have to do is pop in there, decide what kind of project you're working in on, and then start asking the question. Like the way we looked at it is we want to make this process as smooth and and I don't want to say fun because fun is such a open word, but you know, hassle-free, let's say that. So mm. you go, you you go into auto brief. The framework is already done. You can customize it because we've seen a lot of people. The way you're saying that accounts are coming to um, content snare, we're getting lawyers. Oh wow! You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know what's happening there, but you know what I mean. And we're seeing that they take our framework and then add things and change things. You know, change the questions. We have a lot of like. Um, inspirational questions like for example if your brand was a car what kind of br- car would it be and you know they're they like for example they like that question and they, they keep it in we're like okay this is interesting. interesting so we make the process a lot more streamlined for you um everything in on the platform you can reassign exercises so for example if you're working in an agency and you want to assign exercises we call them exercises like for example doing a user persona doing a positioning map doing a uh, a brand voice or something, you know, you can decide to assign it to your client or maybe someone within your team. And you, this becomes a collaborative process where everything is happening in one space. So it's like this source of truth. Mm. And the end of the day, with a click of a button, you have a PDF and you already have the deliverable, you know, done. Yeah. Branded if you pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. So I actually played around with it a while back and yeah, I kind of saw it as a, I mean, sorry to, Relate it to Google Docs, but everyone does this with friggin' content snare as hey, well. It's so okay. it's it's like a a Google Docs on steroids, where you've got specific exercises, but like tools as well. You know, like exactly. I think I saw like a kind of mind map sort of one of the mm-hmm. was it a mind map one of the like tools or one of the questions you could have a you know it's not just like typing text into things like it would be in Google Docs. You can actually do other. things. Exactly, yeah. like we we have different maps, like the positioning maps. Like if you mm. put in. Uh, brands, then, you know, these brands will show up in other areas of Ola Brief to make this process a lot more quicker. And there's yeah. a lot of visual and, and UX things that we wanted to do. So it's not exactly, so it's not Google and it's not a type form. You're not just like, you know, yeah. clicking away. It's, it's like I said, I don't want to say the word fun, but it's, you know, it not, it's not something that becomes tedious because we make it as, as tedious free for you as possible through the different UX and UI solutions. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. So um, I, anyone listening to this, I'd recommend checking out Ola Brief if you want to you know, streamline this process. Because I mean, the big thing is like, if you're going to create a briefing process, there's quite a lot of research in making it work, right? Asking the right questions uh, and, and how you actually do this process with your clients. Obviously, you're still going to have to practice doing this, uh, you know, in person or on a call with your clients, but at least the framework is laid out for you mm. inside all a brief. Actually, now, we've seen a couple of people like even using it there during the phone calls, like putting information straight away into all brief. I actually kind like, of assumed that's what we were talking about. I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that actually would happen uh, quite regularly. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, we even have people do that with content snare, like when there's uh, information, like, you know, it's not just, 
agencies using content snare, like, like, you know, it could be like lawyers or mortgage brokers or whatever. And they, they're on there and they get on a call with their clients and they might sort of talk them through different bits or, um, you know, even upload some things for them, you know, mm-hmm. this is at least then it's all still in, in one place. So I think doing it live on a call is a great idea. Um, but it depends on people's business model, right? Like a lot of people, if they're doing sort of high and, volume. And typing work, skills, no? Yeah, that too. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what I, I would never be able to do it just because I'm a bad typist. <laughs> yeah, true. Like, if, especially while you're talking, like uh, <sighs> typing while I talk is just 100%. It's probably like a 500% increase in typos. Um, also, so I just want to retrace a little bit something mm-hmm. I wanted to say before um, total productivity hack here with recording. I wanted to say yes to recording conversations with clients because that is friggin' amazing. Um, on top of that, however, you can feed conversations into otter.ai, which can also uh, go live, um, like sit alongside a zoom meeting and transcribe it in real time. Um, otherwise it'll convert it afterwards. The one thing I wish existed, and I, I please, if someone is listening to this and it knows if it exists, please like tweet at me, underscore Jimmy Rose or something. I don't know. Work at the <laughs> contact form on agency highway. I want to know how to like bookmark times in a call and go like someone said something awesome then. Like just hit a button and be like, they said something awesome. They said something awesome that I need to refer back to. Oh, Okay. Because, you know, you were talking about this before when you're on, on a call with someone, you don't want to be taking notes because it's, well, it sucks. It's, you're not present with the client. Um, so that's why the transcripts really help. But then you've got to try and like find that section again. And it'd be really cool if you could just like press a button and be like, refer back to this spot. Mm. Mm. Like, the, like the equivalent of what you do in Hotjar, you know, when you're watching Hotjar stuff and you just be like, all right, this segment in particular. Like, yeah, like a give me that. Yeah, and it's yeah. like an Audible too, right? Like if you're listening to oh. an Audible book, you can press the bookmark thing and it puts it like a timestamp in there. So oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. That's a good um, hack. Yeah, but uh, I, want, I want something like that for calls. Hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> enough enough of that. So side note. So I think we've covered a lot of things here. So is there anything else you want to sort of talk about or especially like, you know, specific to Ola Brief or not? Um, well, I want to press against on the fact that, I mean, even, even as a, as a creator myself of uh, working in, in big agencies and then kind of changing my mentality to this new way of, I mean, I want to say it's a new way of working. It's more brain heavy way of working. Um, <laughs> it's not easy, but it's, it just, it changed so much the way we work. Like the last time we had a huge client was last year. It was a rebranding project. It's a company that does windows. It's something like 130 years old. Oh, it's an old, old company with a lot of stuff in the behind. And we use kind of this discovery briefing process, like very heavily, like we did their user personas with the competitors. There's like tons of competitors in America and Germany and everything. Like there's a lot of work. And what we did was involve the clients very, very, very heavily from the beginning. Like, hey, we just did an exercise, a tool, check it. And they would always have feedback or like there's small things like we picked up. Like, for example, like in the user persona, they sent over. Like what I'm trying to say, it's not, it, I, I, might sign, I might be selling it as something difficult, but these things you kind of pick up quickly. Like, for example, the, she sent over user personas for me and there were four women. And I'm like, okay, but where are the men? 
and like, oh, we never thought of that because it's usually the woman who kind of finds the product first, but then it's the man who decides if they buy it. Like it was just something that they realized within the company. But the fact that, you know, you look at it and you kind of you working on the briefing process have this privilege to have this because they're the client. They're in it every day. But you have this perspective of being, but why aren't there any men? Oh, you're right. We have to do some user personas for men. So, you know, these are the small things that you kind of Mm. flesh out this process. In the end, you have a very clear idea of what's going on and and. I guess what I'm saying is that in the end, we only did one proposal and they accepted it just because they were so involved from the beginning and they just felt that it was their own as well. So they're more, they're less likely to say no to something they co-created. Oh God, that is a good quote to leave this on. <laughs> uh, Cause there, there's, I mean, there's a lot, I, I don't want to leave it there because there's actually a lot to unpack. I'm literally reading uh, this book called right now called um, predictably irrational about like human okay. behavior. And um, there's uh, the chapter I just read last night was about uh, ownership and how, like, once you feel like you, uh, like once you take ownership in something, you think it's worth so much more. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, classic examples, just like you think your kids are cuter than every other kid and, and your dog's cuter than every other dog and your house is like better. Like your generally seller's expectations for money is a lot uh, higher than what people are willing to pay for it. Stuff like this because of ownership. Right. So there's like a yeah. pretty bang on example right there. Uh, like if you can get them to get buy in and, and they actually feel like they own it. And, you know, I guess also they've done, there's like the sunk cost fallacy that it's not fallacy. Sorry. That's something else. Again, just the whole fact that they've sunk a lot of cost into that thing. There's probably almost like a fear of loss. Like they've done the work. They're probably more likely to go with you. Right. Like this is me just theorizing. This is, I don't have data on this, but um, yeah. They they were there with you working, suffering and they're like, Hey, this is the end Mm. result. Awesome. There's probably a few psychological factors that are really going to contribute to I'm yeah. sticking with you. Yeah, definitely. Oh, was that quote again? I think I need to put that right at the start as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. They're less likely to say no to something they co-created. Yeah, which is perfect. Yeah. Like, and that's like, and that's kind of what you're doing with Olibrief, right? Like, so you're working on it. You're assigning bits to them, and and you're working on this stuff collaboratively. So I love it. Yeah. Let's and if you the- talk to your cl- oh, sorry, and if you talk to your client a lot. You know, you're more likely to get value information than if you disappear for three weeks and then come back and be like, mm. hey, oh, hey. You're more likable you too. You're more likable exactly. then because it's, it's that's like one of, again, going back to psychology stuff, it's like uh, Robert Cialdini's, one of his influence thing is like liking, yeah? They have to like you. The more they like you, the more likely they are to buy from you. Well, Tisha, this has been awesome. I didn't know where <laughs> this was going to go because we had so many different things we could talk about, but I think this has been a super valuable episode. Just wanted to say thank you for sharing this awesome stuff with the Agency Highway audience. Thank you so much, James, for having us here. Yeah, no worries at all. And, and where can people go to find out more about you? They c- about me? Well, and the product, you know, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'll leave it in the show notes, you know, my LinkedIn, if you ever have any questions or if you want to talk to us, because we've just, you know, we've been eating the discovery and briefing process for about three years now. So we have a lot of knowledge. So if you want to, you know, ask us questions or, you know, just talk to us, my LinkedIn will be in there. And if you want to check out Autobrief, it's H-O-L-A brief.com. And yeah, just check it out. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again. And uh, 
Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun talking with uh, Letitia about this. I think there's a lot of helpful stuff in there. If you think so, please head over to where you get this podcast and leave us a review. Help us get in front of some more awesome agencies. That's it. Again, this is episode 135. So agencyhighway.com slash 135 if you want the show notes and the resources that we're going to post up there. That's it. And I'll see you in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.